Hey everybody, this is Brother Frank, and welcome to another episode of The Remnant Call. I'm glad to be here with you. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, what's going on right now is intense. It's um, it's life-changing at this moment in Earth's history. Lord, we see the hour. We see what's coming. Lord, help us to be prepared uh, spiritually, Lord, physically, mentally, Lord, Understanding that in our own flesh we'll never survive, but by the power of God and for and by him who promised to never leave us nor forsake us, we shall make it through because we ask that you would bless this program tonight. Bless our our worship with you, Lord. Bless our time with you. Bless our prayer lives, Lord. We ask it all in Jesus, Yeshua's precious name. Amen. Well, folks, I'm glad to be here with you, and you've seen um, today some of the things that are going on. Uh, I don't know. I was reading earlier, um, if you caught this, about the mysterious illnesses that are, this illness they say that's killing children. Um, They can't figure out what's all going on. Folks, we know what's killing people mysteriously right now. You get the prick, you know what happens, and uh, you've, uh, you've, you know that this is um, the result of people being coerced, being um, you know driven by their jobs, by their churches, family members to take this prick, and um, we are now beginning to see some serious rep- repercussions of what's happening. And uh, even listening to one of the men from the head insurance agencies uh, was one, a while back talking about all of the uh, deaths. Uh, that are happening, uh, unexplainable. Uh, it was a four or five hundred percent. I can't remember what it was uh, around the country. And he said, "We all know what it's from." And yes, we do know what it's from. And on top of that, the deaths that are coming now. You live in a country which you've known you have, but you've seen it on full display to uh, its full magnitude this week of a country who celebrates the death of babies. I don't even like to say unborn because a child is a child, whether in the womb or out of the womb. My wife and I um, had a miscarriage some years ago. Um, you know, we have two daughters. Uh, one's married and the other one's, um, you know, going to school still. Uh, and she's finishing up uh, Christian school in high school. And we had another baby that died or we lost in a miscarriage. Now, if you want to know the truth, I have three children because that child was just as much a child of mine as the other two that are living. And I hope in by God's grace in the kingdom to see that baby one day. And I can remember the turmoil I went through when that happened and how hurt and broken we were at the loss of that. And I remember crying to God and I just asked the Lord one favor. I said, Lord, Please bring that baby up in the resurrection. And I know God is faithful and he'll do the right thing. No matter what it is, it'll be the right thing. And I'm not, I don't have to worry about it, but it is our child. We had three, we have three children. One of them didn't make it, but God is awesome. But I am so broken and I can't believe that you see the absolute celebration and 
of death and the desire to kill in this country. It's so disgusting, and it proves one thing. The United States, by a large portion— not, I'm not talking about true believers. They serve Moloch. They serve the God of prosperity, who when they burned their babies because they wanted to be prospered, people want to kill their children so that they do not have their prosperity hindered. It is Moloch worship. It's disgusting, and it's happening. I'm telling you right now, our cup is filling to the rim, and God will pour out. You've also seen the food shortages, folks. I cannot express this enough. If you are not putting away any food, listen, I, I, I've said it over and over again. I don't, I shouldn't even have to say it again. Obviously, spiritual preparation, your time with God, listening to what God says goes above and beyond everything else. And if God says that don't put anything away, then you listen to what the Lord says. But According to what the word says in most general practices, unless you're in a situation, the Lord saying, don't do anything, obviously listen to him. Then the Bible talks prudently about seeing the evil that is coming and that we are to do something about it. Joseph had a plan. Noah had a plan. It's okay. It's not a lack of faith to put away some simple provisions as long as you believe and know and understand that those provisions are not will not, and can never be your deliverance. Your silver, your gold will not save you. But having a little bit of food put away is not a bad provision. It's it's smart. It's the wise thing to do. It's, it's biblical. There's nothing wrong with that. And they keep telling us over and over again, food shortages are coming. I don't know if you've seen the thing about, I think it's 23 or 22 or 23. I don't remember the exact numbers. in the 20s. Food processing plants since 2019 have been destroyed in the United States of America and around the world. And the president keeps telling you that they're coming. Now, I don't believe in much he says, but I do believe that he's probably telling the truth that food shortages are absolutely coming. And also, folks, I can't tell you enough about this. If you have sensitive data, which your personal data, have that backed up, have it off-site, have it somewhere that's you know unplugged. It's called air-gapped backup. Make sure you have an air-gapped backup, meaning some type of device that has been unplugged so that it cannot be encrypted. I'm in Virginia. The front of the Virginia Business Magazine came out, and the government, everybody is saying, beware of cyber attacks. It can happen to anybody. They're stealing our information and you need to be careful. I work in this business for a living. I cannot stress it enough that we are provoking our enemies and they are coming after us. This is not just our, uh, we're not just simply um, making some bad mistakes. We are now suffering judgment in this country. Okay, And you, as a believer, we can't stop judgment from God. What we could do, though, is we can seek his face and ask for his mercy. And we can ask him to help us to follow his will and his ways and to do the right, you know, that we would do the right thing in this hour. But when God begins to judge a nation, and trust me, it is happening in the house of the Lord, too. I was at a church speaking last weekend. I had been invited to come and speak and share a word. Their pastor was out of town. 
I came down there and I shared a word that was going on and, and I didn't hold back as my normal, you know, what you hear brother Frank here is what I, the way I talk in churches and I was sharing and preaching and, and the Lord moved powerfully. And I, I praise God for it because I was, I had nothing to do with it. I I'm always getting nervous. I've preached all over the place. I still get nervous and nerves. I, I woe unto me the day I don't get nervous. And, but the Lord worked a powerful thing, but I realized this, that the people in that congregation were starving to death. I had tell me that they had been there, their founders, they'd been there since the church had been built, and it was built a long time ago, and they had never, ever heard a sermon like that before. Now, I don't necessarily believe that. I think they've forgotten because it's been so long. But the fact was, what it told me is that people in churches are so deprived from the truth today that they are literally, spiritually starving to death in their own congregations. If you are going somewhere or attending a fellowship or a church, uh, you know, whatever it is, uh, make sure they are preaching the very word of God because we cannot afford at this hour. And I would say the majority of mainstream churches, I would get out of them. But there are still obviously a few places here and there that still preach a true word and still are faithful to the to the Bible and, and to following the Lord. And, and I, I know that there are still some out there. And God bless you. I pray that you find some people to fellowship with. But it was just so listening. And I've seen this before. But seeing how starved the people were. You can literally starve to death inside of a church. But back to the news. You've seen the celebration of death. You've seen the psychotic celebration of homosexuality and transgenderism. And I'm sick and tired of being told that a man is a woman and a woman is a man. I'm sick of it. I can hardly take it anymore. But the false prophets, that's the ones. Oh, the false prophets in the so-called remnant or in the so-called church today are abundant. But I'm telling you right now, there has been a rise of false prophets over the last years, and the devil is a counterfeiter. Listen to me on this. He is a counterfeiter. And before God does his actual real movement, the devil always brings forth a counterfeit movement. And all these false counterfeit, that's why Jesus, back in Matthew 24, warned that these days were coming because the devil is a counterfeiter of the actual truth. So you know the truth is there and it's coming in a fuller way. But the devil is trying to get us off balance and not seeing it. Well, the hyper grace that goes on the churches, the disobedience, that's the one that drives me the craziest. The hyper grace and the disobedient. I don't know where in the world anybody thought that they could live like the devil and follow Jesus. I don't know where in the world somebody ever taught this diabolical, ungodly gospel that you can live in sin and call, you know, and say, no worries, God's grace covers everything. Well, listen, God's grace is powerful, but grace is not the power the, is not a license to sin. It is the power to live holy. Let me say that again. Grace is not a license to sin, but is the power to live holy. 
And these churches who preach that, well, you know, all you got to do is just be saved and live however you want to be. Listen, your salvation is a free gift. There's nothing you can do to earn it. But the Bible says specifically, don't deceive yourselves. These people are not going into the kingdom. Drunkards, revelers, all these effeminate. All these people are not going to the kingdom. Quit fooling ourselves. Disobedience is not, teaching is not from God. And it's, and it's going all over our churches and obviously a lack of prayer and a lack of fasting. And what I found out, and I, I not really found out, but what I realized is that the people in the churches are so hungry for the truth. And here's why. And folks, this is why a lot of people listen here and other places. You're worried. You're concerned. You're, some are afraid at this hour. And listen, some of you say, I've never been afraid of anything. That's a lot. They're liars. That's not true. Everybody's been afraid of something at some time. I don't care who you are. And and so, but they're, they're afraid, they're fearful, and they're coming to the church and they're wanting a word from the Lord. They're wanting to hear something from the Bible. They're wanting the pastor to say, hey, listen, this is what's going on. It's a mess. It was told to us thousands of years ago in the word of God, but God has a plan to get us through this. They want reassurance, but instead, you know what they get? The same regurgitated sermons over and over and over and over again, and they're hungry and dying for the truth. But anyways, in this message last week, I began to look at something. Now, Listen to me here. The Bible is very specific about how sudden destruction is coming. It's been a theme throughout the word of God. There'll be peace and safe. They'll say peace and safety and then sudden destruction. You know, it says in Thessalonians, they'll say peace, peace, and there'll be no peace. You know, the mystery Babylon, Revelation 18, one hour of one day there, you know, ancient Babylon. If you remember, they went into the, uh, they went in one night under one government. They woke up the next day uh, under another government. This theme runs very specifically in the Bible. But there's a misconception among believers that Jesus comes as a thief in the night. Now, hold on before you just shut the program down. Listen to me. Jesus is coming as a thief in the night, but only to the wicked. He is not coming as a thief in the night to the believer. First Thessalonians, I want to read a few scriptures here with you. First Thessalonians chapter five, starting in verse one, but of the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. So yes, you're right. He's coming as a thief in the light. Now listen though, for when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child and they shall not escape. Now it's the next verse. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that the day should overtake you as a thief. Did you hear that? Let me say it again. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. So the, it's clear from the very word of God. 
Jesus is not coming as a thief in the night to his body. This should be something that we should be aware of. This should be something we should be expecting. I didn't say you'll know the day or the hour. I'm not saying that. But you should know that Jesus is coming. We are not to be surprised at that. We are not to also be disappointed surprised at the destruction of America. You remember, and Jesus was telling to him back in Matthew, you know, let not your flight be on the Sabbath or in the winter time, right? He was trying to warn them. And that's exactly when that happened uh, back then. And they had to flee from Jerusalem. But those who took heed ahead of time were already out of there, uh, you know, and that was almost 2000 years ago. But right before that happened, Jesus was telling them, don't, you know, make sure you get out of there before you should see these things coming. And we're at the end of time and we should see and know that the times are here so that it doesn't come upon us as a thief in the night. It's not supposed to. You will not be surprised. Apostle Paul reminds us, and interesting things, the way he starts that out, but of the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. He's saying, what he's saying is you ought to know these things. You should know this stuff of the times and the seasons. You know, and that's the literal, you can think of it a couple ways. That's not only the, the times that we live in and the seasons of the year and the seasons of the second coming, but also of God's holy days. And that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother program and everything here. So as New Testament believers, we are supposed to watch so that it doesn't Take us as a thief in the night. You remember when Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane, he told his disciples, couldn't you just watch with me for one hour, right? As a new covenant believer, okay, you are a watchman and our job is to watch and we, we see the trouble coming. We tell people we are ready for it. We are actively looking for it, but we are also to be of a sober mind. We are be alert. We are to be, you know, watching actively what is going on in this day and what hour, because I'm telling you folks, Jesus is truly coming very soon. But before he comes, it is going to get extremely bad. Now, we are in a bad predicament right now. There's no doubt about it. And Brother Jamie touched on this last week. Um, it was in the book of Malachi, chapter two. And, you know, history not only does, it not only will, but it does, it is already repeating itself over, okay? The book of Malachi presents a very interesting problem. Now, many of you know that book well, but it's normally because you've been in a church and every time they take up the offering, they tell you about bringing in the tithe and how God will open up the windows of heaven. And trust me, I believe in that. Okay. Wholeheartedly. I believe in giving God exactly what belongs to him. If you want to call, please email me and or comment that we don't have to pay tithe, you know, then that's fine. Please. I'm not even going to listen to it. What belongs to God is his. Okay, and before the whole system was even give, given, it talks back even in Abraham that Levi, being in Abraham's loins, paid tithe to Melchizedek. Yes, it happened all the way back in before the Levitical law was even written. It is something that's been universal all the way through, and so it's it's it is biblical. Anyways, now the book of Malachi does present a problem in Malachi's day. 
and I believe it was prophetically uh, for our day, there was a major issue with God's people. Look at Malachi chapter 2, verse 17. We touched, Jamie touched on this briefly last week, but I want to look at it again. Ye have wearied the Lord with your words, yet ye say, wherein have we wearied him? When you say, everyone that doeth evil is good in the sight of the Lord, and he delighteth in them. Or where is the God of judgment? Or that means justice. That's all. And, and now these are the priests saying these things back then, okay? So here God is upset. He's upset in Malachi's day because back then they were taking and getting divorced from their wives. They didn't like their wife. They just got rid of their wife and they went and found a wife from another foreign country and brought in their foreign and pagan gods. And trust me, folks, we are doing the same thing today. Now you're like, well, I'm not getting divorced. Well, I'm not doing that stuff. Well, we're bringing our foreign gods in from other places through our technology, through other streams. I'm telling you, we are doing the exact same things. And you're like, wait, wait, I don't understand that. How are we, how are we divorcing our, our wife or our family or everything? I'm telling you what, we have divorced the Lord in many times and gone a whoring after others. It's actually a biblical statement. You can look it up in the Bible. And you know what? God is wanting us to be celibate, chaste virgins. When you take that cup of communion, you are agreeing that you are going to accept that betrothal cup and you're going to stay as a chaste bride waiting the return of Yeshua, the bridegroom. But he's upset because the priests in that day are saying that everyone that does evil is good in the sight of the Lord. That's why this disobedient day we live in of anything goes belief in, in is, is so unbiblical and God literally hates it. And I'm telling you, he, Jesus says, if you don't, you know, if you love me, keep my commandments. And first John, it says, if you don't, you're actually a liar. You're not saying the truth if you don't. But the book of Malachi also continues on and, and it's got some hope in it. And I want to look at this, but turn, if you have, if you want to turn there, Malachi chapter three, verse 14. Now God is angry and he does, he's expressing his frustration. The people had been robbing him. Like he's talking about before. We love talking that they have not been bringing in their tithe into the storehouse and their justification for evil living and picking up in Malachi chapter three, verse 14. This is what it says. You have said it is vain to serve God what is the profit of our keeping his charge or walking in, excuse me, as in mourning before the Lord of hosts? And now we call the arrogant, blessed, evildoers not only prosper, but they put God to the test and they escape. Do you see that disgusting talk that's going on that we call the arrogant, blessed and the evildoers prosper? It's a messed up society. Back in that day, and it's a messed up society, we're doing the same thing now, but now it's gotten so outrageous that we are calling people different genders. We're calling people different things. We're saying that this stuff, did you hear the president say that because abortion is a child of, he's a child of God? I don't remember the comment. It was so ridiculous and out of there. I mean, how can killing babies, I, I, I can't even talk about it. It just frustrates me. But God makes a shift in the book of Malachi. And this is what I want to look at here because I, this is what we need to understand. He makes a shift because he finds a people 
who are different than the norm in society. He finds the people that just because the priests say it's okay, they will not follow because God says it's different. Malachi chapter 3 verse 16 says this, Then those who feared the Lord spoke with one another. The Lord paid attention and heard them, and a book of remembrance was written before him of those who feared the Lord and esteemed his name. They shall be mine, says the Lord, in the day when I make up my treasured possession, and I will spare them as a man spared his own son who serves him. Then once more you shall see the distinction between righteous and and the wicked between ones who serve God and the one who does not serve him. So God says there's going to come a day again when there will be those who will once again fear the Lord and they will think and they will speak upon his name. And God says when he sees those people, he said, those are my people. Those are mine. They don't belong to somebody else. I've talked often before about in Zephaniah that God sings over his people. He sings, and the reason it says he rejoices over them with singing is because the verses afterwards tell you why he's singing, because he found a people that were so burdened with the reproach, the sin of their day, that they had gathered together in a solemn assembly, and they were repenting for what was going on, and God was singing because he found a people who shared his heart for the wickedness and the fallen nature of the society that they were in. And I'm telling you, he's looking for the same people today who are willing to say, you know what? The reproach of this society, this country, this nation is such a burden on me that I must seek the Lord and cry out unto him. And God says, those are my people. But there, here, this is the interesting thing that happens. Those that decide to truly follow the Lord and seek his face and fall and seek his and with all their heart, they are, they don't, I don't think they actually even know it and understand it. When I look at, you know, Matthew talking about the great, the judgment day, they said, Lord, Lord, when did we do great works? And I, you know, when did we, when did we feed you or when did we visit you in prison? You know, they weren't even aware, but this is what happens. There's something that changes in this person that other people now see it because this is what it talks about. Listen, Malachi 3.18, then once more, you shall see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked between one who serves God and one who does not serve him. Jesus is saying here, the you know, God is saying by his spirit right here that when a person is following the Lord, that the outside world will actually be able able to tell those that do and those that do not. It's not that they're even saying it necessarily. It's their actions. It's their de- There will be a way you can discern this. You'll be able to see it. My aunt used to always say that the most powerful sermon ever was, was lived and not preached. You will be able to tell the difference And if right now, if our lives are not, if there is not something that distinguishes us from the world by the way we carry ourselves, the way we speak, the way we do things, then that is obviously a warning flag that we need to seek the Lord and humble ourselves and fall upon our face, knowing, knowing that when he sees this, your heavenly father sees this, that he will say, these are mine. These are mine mine. God found a people who would call a spade a spade. They were willing to stand up against the 
wickedness of their day, and they weren't afraid to call evil anymore, and they understand that following Jesus means not only following the things that God says, but willing to tell a dying world that Jesus is coming again. Folks, we have a mission. We are living in the most prophetic time in the history of the earth, and God is wondering, are there anybody, is there anybody out there that's going to do something? Now, this is where it gets awesome. When Jesus had went to the famous wedding, you remember he turned the water and the wine. I've said this before. Jesus reminds us prophetically that he saves the best wine for last. I've said that so many times, but I want you to think about it a little deeper tonight. And that greater works than even Jesus did, we will do. Now, we got a glimpse of that in the New Testament. Remember Peter's shadow. Remember the snakes that jumped out and bit Paul. Remember that Paul, you know, the guy that fell out of the window and bringing him back. You know, that we saw some amazing stuff happen in the New Testament that was unbelievable. But we haven't seen anybody walk on water yet. And there's still we haven't reached the fullness of the greater works than even Jesus did. Now, isn't that amazing that your God would desire for you to do even greater things than he did? What humility. What amazing love. That's why Jesus talks about taking on his burden, his yoke, for it's easy. He says, learn of me, not from me. He says, learn of me. This is who I am, for I am meek and lowly in heart. God is looking for a people in this hour who are willing to stand up and tell somebody that Jesus is truly coming again. Now, this is, in my opinion, one of the best ways to fully get woke up, biblically woke. Everybody talks about being woke, and we know that's a bunch of garbage. But I'm talking about woke up. Brother Frank, I've heard you say it. We're watchmen. We need to be awake, sober-minded. I'm struggling. How do I get awake? Well, we obviously know prayer and fasting. But you got to remember something. Jesus never said we had to be perfect before we could go witness. The Lord never said we had to be 100% perfect before we could go out and share our testimony. Because the truth is, we see the apostles who went out and still had some issues at times. Yes, yes. Remember, Paul even had to rebuke Peter at one point. Okay, there are some times we all have issues that happen. We're not perfect. But if you're waiting for perfection, if you're waiting to get all your bad problems turned to perfect, if you're waiting to overcome every single thing in the world before you get out and witness, I've got some bad news for you. It will never happen. But if you truly want to wake up in this hour, listen to me. If you truly want to wake up, you have to engage in the battle. You have to engage in the war. See, when I'm at the homeless shelters, when I'm ministering to people out in the, in the church in their churches that, that I get invited to, when I'm over in Africa in the mountains, 
or I'm sharing the good news with somebody. When I'm over there, you know, in places where I, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, maybe in a Muslim villages or whatever else like that, and I'm out of my comfort zone. When I'm in the heat of the battle and I'm actively engaged in sharing the gospel, I never, ever, ever think about and worry about obedience. You know why? Because I'm praying, I'm seeking, and I'm engaged in the war. But when I get out of the war, when I pull back, when I get stagnant, when I get stale, then my fears, my worries, my cares, and everything that shouldn't be there begins to creep in. But every time I look back over my life and a crisis comes, see, that you know very well, as I know, that we grow the most in crisis, period. End of sentence. I've taken this survey all with people all over the place. We always grow in crisis. Why do we grow in crisis? Because we actively begin to seek the Lord and pray. We get engaged, but we fail so often to share. And when we don't share, we dry up. We dry up. Now, if you cannot physically get out of your home because of... um you know, some physical ailment or whatever that or, or you're too old or whatever, you can pray for those who are and you can get engaged in the war on your knees. But if you want to wake up in this hour, you must get engaged. You must do something about it because God is asking for us in this hour to do something for him. I've said this so often, and I'm going to repeat it again tonight, just like some of these other things. I feel like a broken record lately, but I can't express this one enough. If you've never led somebody to Jesus, you've never experienced joy. Like I'm talking about joy that is unthinkable, unbelievable, unimaginable. The joy of seeing somebody give their life to Jesus. You know, sometimes you don't always have to go out and scream at everybody. The end is coming. You know, be ready. And we should tell people, sometimes you can start out with being somebody's friend, making, you know, some acquaintances, begin to spend time, earn their trust and ask God to open a door for you to share. And you know what? He will do that. God is in the business of saving those especially who look unsavable. I've mentioned it before, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get him on here very soon. I was talking to him the other day about my cousin David. You know, he's come. He's come back home to the Lord. 20-year cocaine habit. All these things. We've all had, I mean, we've all had this terrible thing, terrible, terrible things. But God is bringing him back. And the sad thing was I was out today. Uh, and I was in town, and I was uh, going up to put some gas on my truck. I went into the store, saw a guy, Stephen, I've known for years ago. used to play in a rock uh, band when I was in high school. And I was like, Stephen, man, I, ain't I said, how's it going, man? I said, hey, dude, I heard about you know this guy's one cousin. I said, I heard he died. I said, what about his brother? He's like, he's dead too. I was like, what, what from? Man? He's like, alcohol, both of them. I'm only 48. I was like, man, both of them are dead. Both those brothers, you're kidding me. I said, well, what about this guy? He said, he's now completely crazy. 
And it's like all, and then I, I, after that, I run into the lady who is the head of our um, high school reunions. I hadn't, I'd been looking for her because I hadn't been to my high school reunion since my fifth one. And I was so out of control in my fifth high school reunion. I just like, I'm never going to go back to any of those because I, I, my wife's about ready to divorce me. We got so messed up that night and partied all night long. And um, I was like, I'm never doing that. I got converted short time, you know, a few years later after that. But I decided this year, I am going back to this reunion. You know why? Because everybody's dying. People are dying. And I want to make sure I can see some of these people before they die. And I told you last year in, in March of 2021, I buried my best friend, pills and alcohol. Everybody, I mean, we are living in a world that people are dying and they need the hope to know that Jesus can save them, he can change them, and he can give them a way out of the madness of the society we're in. Yes, folks, the world is falling apart. It is the end times. I know that. But God is in the business of saving law, the lost, and your mission and my mission has not changed. We are to share the good news. Matthew 28, 19, we are to share it with a dying world. Jesus is truly coming again. Now, here's the exciting part, the real exciting part. You remember the story of the prodigal son. You remember how he was such a disaster. You remember how he had in his day, his society, he had hit the bottom because he was eating with the pigs. And that was the lowest form you could be at, eating with the pigs and he remembered in the midst of ruining everything. He had lost his fortune. He had run out. He had done. He, he had soiled every wild oat there ever was possible. He had messed up everything. He was a complete failure, a disappointment, and a disgrace. And he now was at the very worst you could be, eating with the swine. And that pig is one filthy animal. And when God talked about that story he wanted us to understand the lowest point that this person had been at because he had a message in for you and for me and for those who look unsavable when that boy when that son or that daughter maybe it's you when they finally remember the goodness of their heavenly father and they realize that his servants are even better off than they are. And they remember how loving and kind he is. The Bible said when that boy went home, that when his father saw him a ways off, he didn't wait for him to get there. It says he took off running folks every scholar knows that that story is a representation of our heavenly father and his relentless pursuit for us and jesus made it so specific that when your father sees his child that's so messed up that's so wronged everything possible 
that's broken all these promises, that's ruined everything, that's been given the world, and they come to their sentences, and they come back home, and they have nothing good to offer anymore, that the Bible says that he takes off running. Folks, God is coming for you. If you feel that you're lost, if you feel that you can't get your way back about you, if you feel that you've failed and you've done everything wrong and you've broken promises, I'm telling you tonight, your father is so merciful that even when you were yet sinners, he sent his son to die for you. And Jesus said for the prize that was laid up before him, he endured the sufferings of the cross because you were so amazing that God saw you as a gift. Jesus saw you as a present that didn't even though they didn't care about him. He was willing to suffer the ultimate torture and beating because he loved you. And when your heavenly father sees you coming home, he comes running. Folks, I want to encourage you tonight. This thing is far from over, but your God is still on the throne. And even though you may have failed, you feel like a failure. We all are struggling. Remember, he comes running. And when he finds that sheep, he puts them on his shoulder and carries them back home. This is Brother Frank on the Remnant Call saying to everybody, good night and shalom. Trumpet in Zion, for the day of the Lord is come. Blow a trumpet in Zion.